We know the presence of the Lord is in this place. It is without doubt. Whether you feel it or not, we know that His presence is here because He's promised to meet with us. And we're thankful for all that the Lord has done. Thank you so much to uh, Aaron and Mary and our praise band for leading us in worship today. Uh, get you, if you would, to find in your Bibles the Old Testament book of Numbers. We're going to be in Numbers chapter 22, beginning in verse 21 and following. Encourage you to find that on, in your Bibles, on your smartphone, tablet, whatever it is that you may have. And uh, participate with us today. Lots of things have been uh, happening here at Parkway and maybe just a couple of things to take care of. One of those is that uh, last week we had our faith uh, campaign and uh, well, I'm going to have to give you the summary because I forgot to grab the specific numbers but we had about 85 families or 85 participating who made commitments already and uh, so we've had committed over $830,000 I believe for that. Our goal is 1.3 so we hope by the end of the year to be right, to make the 1.3 feel like the commitments need to be close to me. And so we're there, but that's long awaited. And thank you so much for your faithfulness. The Lord receives all the glory uh, for that. And uh, today it is a day in which we will have at the very end of this service, I want you to be prepared for it, a very short uh, business meeting for selection of deacons. Now that's not ministerially speaking short, it really will be short. But uh, you have uh, already in your bulletin, you have maybe a list of men in the church, those have allowed their names to remain uh, there. And uh, we only have three that we need to choose today, so you'll prayerfully be thinking about the three if you have not already. encourage you to do that. In fact, we're going to have a word of prayer about that very thing. Uh, we have asked our ministry teams and uh, along with our deacons to continue on this year because of things happening in the pandemic rather than, but because some have moved off and other reasons, we have three slots to fill uh, to have a full deacon body. And so we will be doing that today. And uh, if you don't have one, we'll be sure to get you, if you're a church member, be sure to get you uh, one of those ballots here before the day, uh, before we do that at the end of the service. But we want you to be prepared uh, for that very thing. But let's, let's do this. We've prayed already several times in the service. Let's pray particularly for what's happening today. Thank the Lord for what He's done and been doing and for this service. Uh, next week, um, we'll be preaching on uh, Jesus and politics. What's Jesus' uh, attitude about the government and those kinds of things. Maybe getting ready for a vote that's going to take place, but November 1st thought would be good for that. So we'll be praying about the future as well and this service. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you now. We thank you, Father for all that you have done and all that you continue to do. We thank you, Father, for all those who've made commitments for our faith campaign to be debt-free and open other avenues for ministry. And, Father, we thank you for those who have been faithful, but most of all, we give you praise, honor, and glory. We thank you, Father, for uh, what's going to take place in the future. We know, Father, even as we think about our own country in which we live, we know that no one rises or falls without your notice and even without your appointment. And we pray, Father, for what's going to be taking place in our country. We have been told to pray for our leaders so that we might be able to have peace and so that there might be more open roads to salvation and people experiencing Christ. And we pray for those very things that take place, Father. Help us to be the salt and light of the nation in which we live and the world in which we live. We thank you for how you continue to be at work today. We pray for this service. We pray, Father, for the men in which you already have in mind to become and be a part of the deacons of Parkway Baptist Church. We thank you for our deacons and our servants uh, who continue to serve. We thank you, Father, for those whom you will choose. We know that you will uh, use this church body to do that very thing. And now, Father, we ask for your wisdom and discernment. And now, Father, we thank you for opportunity to lift up praise today as we have done. 
And we pray, Father, for the moments remaining in this service that we might be true to your word and what it has to say to us. And we thank you for the opportunity to learn from that very thing. And now may the words of my mouth, meditation of our hearts, be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Christ's name we lift these prayers. Amen. We're in Numbers chapter 22. We'll begin reading here in verse 21 as soon as I get my Bible open. There we are. Numbers chapter 22, verse 21, verse 21 and following through 38, but this now is God's word. So Balaam rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. But God's anger was kindled because he went, and the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as his adversary. Now he was riding on the donkey, and his two servants were with him. The donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. The donkey turned aside out of the road and went to the field. And Balaam struck the donkey to turn her into the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on either side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed against the wall and pressed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again. And the angel of the Lord went ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam, and Balaam's anger was kindled, and he struck the donkey with his staff. Then the Lord opened his mouth of the donkey, and she said to Balaam, What have I done to you that you have struck me with these three times? And Balaam said to the donkey, Because you have made a fool of me, I wish I had a sword in my hand, then I would kill you. And the donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your donkey on which you have ridden all your life long to this day? Is it my habit to treat you this way? And he said, No. The Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in his way with his drawn sword in his hand, and he bowed down and fell on his face. The angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to oppose you because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside before me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely just now I would have killed you and let her live. Then Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I did not know that you stood in the road against me. Therefore, if it is evil in your sight, I will turn back. And the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, Go with the men, but speak only the word that I tell you. So Balaam went on with the princes of Balak. And Balak heard that Balaam had come, and he went out to meet him at the city of Moab on the border formed by the Arnon at the extremity of the border. And Balak said to Balaam, Did I not send to you to call you? Why did you not come to me? Am I not able to honor you? Balaam said to Balak, Behold, I have come to you. Have I now any power of my own speaking? The word that God puts in my mouth, that must I speak. May the Lord bless the reading of His holy word today. It has, uh, it has been quite a journey that we have been on as we have made our way on what we've called the escape zone, looking at the life of Moses, almost lasting as long as the pandemic has, not quite but hopefully it has not been as uh, painful or uh, as inconvenient. Uh, this journey called the Escape Zone, I thank you for your participation in it, and I thank you for your encouragement along the way. And certainly during this uh, time of the pandemic, which we understand is not over, but even as we've made our way through these passages as well. Through God's Word, we have learned how to escape, not reality but how we might be able to escape those things which would hold us back from living and doing all that God would have us to do. We have learned so that we might be able to have the freedoms that the Lord meant for us to be able to have, freedoms from, 
freedom to be able to serve Him, freedoms to be able to love one another, be the hands and feet of Jesus wherever we are, how important it is during these days. And can I tell you, just from a personal note, how this particular time and going through what we have gone through in the Scripture and you all has helped me personally, personally to be able to believe and know that we can be a part of God's plan and God's purpose and be able to even show more love to one another and to the world than ever before. I hope that this has been a help to you. But I could not go through this section of Scripture without telling you one of my favorite stories of the Old Testament, the story of Balaam and his talking donkey. Even though Moses is not mentioned here, this is, it's an important lesson to tell. It's kind of like a behind-the-scenes story. We've been talking about Moses and the Israelites as they've left the land of Egypt. They're on the way to the Promised Land. And as they're going, this is kind of the... In the meantime, there's some things happening with other people along the way. Things that are happening with the people of Moab and even with this one that we learn here by the name of Balaam. But also I'm including this as a bonus passage in this series because I want you to read and study the Bible. See, I find this particular story as we read it, read it today and I thought about it, it's kind of a longer passage and even longer as we'll talk about some of these other verses, but thought about maybe how we could shorten it or whatever, but it's, a, it's an intriguing story in the Bible. I mean, and it's got some good lessons here for us to be able to learn. And as, as you read God's Word, and we read it today as we show up for service or listening live stream, hopefully it is a story that helps you to want to read more of the Bible because we find many, many people, many animals and objects that God has used along the way for His purposes, which kind of reminds us, well, if He can use... People like in the story that we read today, well, maybe even he could use me too. I want you to know God's word better because you've been to church or because you've listened along the way. And I want you to be able to study it for yourself and I want you to be even to make better application along the way. There's an important lesson here about the path you will follow and the choices you will make. Now, in order for us to be able to understand it, you've got to know about a couple of people here that we read about. One of those is Balak. He is the king of Moab. Now, the Moabites are not necessarily friends of Israel. They're normally enemies of Israel, though you know one famous Moabitess by the name of Ruth as well. As a matter of fact, the Moabites were descendants of Abraham's nephew Lot, if that helps to explain any. And now many centuries have come and lots of people have been born, lots of descendants, a lot more for Israel than there are the Moabites. And then there's Balaam. And I point them out to you. There's the Balaam, the one who's the owner of the donkey. And I point them out to you because I'm going to do my best not to confuse them today. Balaam and Balak. It may happen, but I want you to know about which one I'm talking about. Balaam is not an Israelite. He's a Gentile. And he's some kind of a prophet. I say some kind of a prophet because he's not, he could be considered a false prophet. Though he knows he's aware of the God of Israel. He's also a fortune teller. I mean, he'll give your fortune. He'll tell you a little bit about the future for some money. He might even tell you that he can maybe even steer the future a little bit in your direction if you've got enough money. He's an enigma. Enigma is somebody or something that you can't quite explain. You can't quite describe one way or the other. So he's a mystery of sorts. He's been, he's been called the strangest character in the Bible. After all, anybody that would talk to a donkey or not fall out when a donkey started talking would probably be considered a little bit strange. And it seems sometimes he's a phony prophet for hire, and at other times it appears that he's genuinely seeking God's will. 
So when it comes to Balaam, there's a big question mark about his faith and about his spiritual life. Hear me. That's not what we want of you. We don't want there to be a question about your spiritual life or about your faith. We want it to be that when it comes to you and your Christianity, there's no doubt. There's not a doubt about your morals or your ethics or your integrity. So we're going to talk about today, hopefully this will be a help, how to find and how to be able to stay on God's pathway for your life. And these things that we talk about, we've come to the end of this series. These are the things also, a little bit of a summary. Maybe these are things I want you to know or things that I want you to do in a summary type fashion. And here's the first one. Believe the Bible. It's all true. Believe the Bible. It's all true. I, I realize sometimes we need to be careful how we say things, even in church. To many, and sometimes it's more maybe even a generational thing. We tell a story in the Bible. Well, we might think sometimes, well, you've heard this story before, or you know that it's true. But there are many people, and maybe even people in church, not necessarily you, but there are many that if you tell a story, they're wondering whether it's true or not. You say a story, be it a fairy tale or a Disney story or a movie, you tell a story, well, they're kind of considered fictional. But to make sure that we understand that we're all on the same page, Bible stories are all true. Noah's Ark, Daniel and the lion's den, the fiery furnace are all true. David really did kill a giant with a slingshot. God used Moses to turn the Nile River into blood and to part the Red Sea. He really did provide manna every morning, manna from heaven every morning for the Israelites for 40 years, and he really did bring water from the rock for the thirsty Israelites. Jesus really did heal the sick. He really did make the blind to see, make the lame walk, and he really did die on the cross to save us from our sins and rose again on the third day so that we might have life. Well, you're saying here we are today, we're among friends. We say, well, certainly these things are true. Some of you have been in church all your life. You never even would question whether it would be true or not. Why would you believe anything else? Well, I want to be sure to tell you today because you're entering into a world when you leave this place that does not believe that it's all true. They may begin to say things like, well, some of it probably is true. A lot of it was written just to tell some good moral lessons along the way. But surely you wouldn't believe that all of it would be true. Or they may put it even on the same level as the Quran or the Book of Mormon. Or talk about the Bible, well, that was a long time ago. It's too old to be relevant today. Or they may just think you're just a little bit goofy or a little bit naive to believe that all the Bible is true. Because for many, truth is relevant. What's true for you may not necessarily be true for me is what some people say. Truth in the Bible, well, that's fine for those who believe the Bible, but they may not be true for everyone. It will happen. And I want you to remember this moment. I want you to remember today. I want you to remember things that your family perhaps or your parents taught you or maybe you learned in Sunday school. I want you to remember that no matter how influencing some people may be, no, the only full authority and text that has full truth is the Holy Bible. Why would that be important today? Because it is the Holy Bible that talks about how it points us to the way in which we can have a relationship with an almighty God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And following the right path is found in the Bible. I was preaching on this very passage 30 years ago from this very pulpit. Now, 
a long time ago. I preached from time to time, and I can't remember necessarily what I preached, but for some reason, maybe because of the uniqueness of the passage, I remember that I preached the passage from this pulpit. I looked for those notes from 30 years ago, and I couldn't find them, so you got new today. If it was something good, I sure hope nobody's ever stood up yet and said, yeah, I remember you preaching that. But 30 years ago, I preached that. But when I, I remember when I got through that one, I had a lady come up to me afterwards. She's not here today. Come to me and she, and she asked, she t- said to me, she said, well, Brother Jeff, why would you pick a scripture that is so, such an obscure passage in the Bible? Well, I did tell her that no passages in the Bible or no stories in the Bible are obscure or trivial. And, but I wish I knew then what I knew now. Because come to find out that Balaam is mentioned more times in the Bible than Mary, the mother of Jesus. Certainly more times than most of the apostles. Over half a dozen times it is mentioned in another book other than Numbers. Matter of fact, in Micah chapter 6 and verse 5, it says, My people remember. So somebody remembered what Balaam, son of Baor, answered. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 15 says, The way of Balaam, who loved the way of wickedness. Jude 1.11 says, They have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. And Revelation 2.14 says, You have people there who hold to the teaching of Balaam. You might notice that those who wrote about Balaam uh, must have thought it was pretty important to write about him, though they did not write about him in a very positive light. But I say that to say this. If this story is important, don't you think all of God's Word is important? All of it so that we might be able to Apply and find yourself reading and studying on a regular basis and find other people that you might be able to gather around and study with. And if you're not able to do that quite yet, pray that you might be able to do that very soon. For without it, without finding yourself and studying in God's Word, the path that God would have you to follow becomes much more difficult. Now, I've gone a long way to say that this is true. The donkey did speak, as strange as it may seem. But let's be sure that we understand the background of what's happening with this passage and this story. You know Moses and the Israelites, and they're making their way from the land of Egypt, been wandering in the 40 years, and they're on the way to the promised land. Along about year 39 or so, we don't know exactly when, but they come close to going, ready to go into the promised land, and they do battles with other nations, even before going to the promised land. And at that time, they have overwhelming success. And they come to the land or near the land of Moab, which is east of the Jordan. Balak, who's the king of Moab, they come to that land of Moab. Moabites have watched what's going on. They get word of all that's happening. And the king of Moab is scared to death that he's going to be wiped out because of the victories they've had and because of the number of the Israelites. They're superstitious people anyway. And they worship all kinds of gods and all kinds of idols. On a side note, the Hebrew people are told not to go and do battle with Moab because they're descendants of Abraham's nephew Lot. But the king of Moab does not know this, so he goes to the neighborhood prophet and fortune teller. Balaam, who's known for telling the future and even having influence over what's going to happen. Apparently he's become fairly well known for this and Keep in mind, most of what we're going to learn from Balaam is what not to do. We're going to learn from his mistakes. So if we talk about how to find and stay on God's pathway, we know that we need to believe the Bible is true, but also we need to be aware of the temptations. Be aware of the temptations. There will be many temptations that take you off of God's path. 
Balak, king of Moab, sent a delegation of important men with payment for services to Balaam with this message. I need you to put a curse on the Israelites. They are, they are more powerful than I am, but I will be able to defeat them because those you bless are blessed and those you curse are cursed. He's not talking about what he's saying to God. He's talking about what he's saying to this prophet or false prophet. And in verse 7, chapter 22 and verse 7, the Bible calls the payment that he's bringing fees for divination. And Balaam answers by asking them to stay the night and he would bring back the Lord's answer. They've come. They've asked, please put a curse on the Israelites. Balaam says, I'll let you know. Stay the night and I'll let you know tomorrow. During the night, God came to Balaam. And he said in verse 12, he said, do not go with them. You must not put a curse on them for they are blessed. Now, you've got it there in your Bibles. You've got it there on the screen. Let me ask you, is there any ambiguity in that statement? This is the do not pass go, do not collect $200, do not go with them, do not put a curse on them. It's going to be important here in just a moment. Balaam told them what God said. And they went back to the king. The king sent another group, more people, higher in rank this time promising great honor in whatever he asked. Notice verses 15 through 17 of Numbers chapter 22. Verses 15 through 17 says this, Balak sent officials again who were more numerous, higher in rank than the others. They came to Balaam and said to him, this is what Balak, son of Zippor, says, let nothing keep you from coming to me for I will greatly honor you and do whatever you ask me. So please come and put a curse on these people for me. No matter what we think of Balaam so far, it's clear he has a word from the Lord. But look at the temptation to go and do otherwise. Money has already been brought. Fame, I will honor you. And then anything he wants. This morning, let me ask you, what would it take to keep you away or to make you stray from God's pathway? Would it be money? Would it be fame? would be honor. If, if you could have anything that your heart desired, would it keep you from following God's pathway? Now, those are, those are pretty big temptations. But I got to tell you, these are the kinds of things that the devil's going to tempt you with. Here's what I think. If you're thinking you're not sure what it would take, if you're thinking that you have, are undecided whether you're going to follow God's pathway depending on what else is out there or what else it is that you might want to do, or you could have anything you wanted just giving into a little temptation, then you will easily fall if you are undecided that you want to stay the course. Now, I believe the Lord's brought you here for a purpose today. And it may be this very thing that today that you want to decide, regardless of the temptations, regardless of the things that this world devil throws out at you, that you want to stay the course for Him. Because if you wait... If you wait till you have that opportunity to cheat somebody on the job for a little bit better pay or a little bit promotion, or if you wait to, to, your, to have an opportunity to cheat in the classroom, if you wait to that, go to that party that probably you shouldn't have gone to, or you get a little too close to someone of the opposite sex who is not your spouse, if you wait to decide if you're going to always tell the truth and live the truth before others, your chances of success are far less. 
Many folks have sold their soul to the devil for the promise of fame or fortune or fun. I'm like, why would you want to not fall, fall into temptation? Because God's plan for your life leads to purpose, abundance, and eternity. And the devil, you need to know, is long on promise and short on delivery. Whatever you've decided on your own or the devil uh, this world may have offered you, be it through greed or a way to popularity, power, or an alternative lifestyle. Just in the last couple of weeks in the media, there's been some arguments about politically saying correct what's right, whether you can say sexual preference or sexual orientation. But regardless of how you define the temptation, you need to know this. God has something better for you. His way is better than your way. His way is better than the world's way, or certainly than Satan's way. God's pathway is best. So if you're going to stay the pathway God has for you, you know you need to believe the Bible. You need to be aware of the temptations. But also you need to break away from living on the edge. Break away from living on the edge. Had this been the end of the episode about Balaam, I'm not going to go, God told me not to go, then Balaam would have been considered a prophet of God. He'd have been a hero of the faith. But he says something very strange here. It's found in verse 18 and verse 19 of 22. Balaam responded to the servants of Balak. He said, if Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go against the Lord my God and do anything small or great. They didn't say anything about the king's house full of silver or gold, but it's now crossed his mind. And remember, temptation is not a sin, but to stay on the edge of sin or just this side of temptation will lead you astray. To, to give a driving analogy, if you were to drive on the side of the road next to the ditch and you drove on the side of the road next to the ditch all the time, guess where you're going to end up finally? You're going to finally end up in the ditch. Well, watch what happens to Balaam where he crosses the line. The temptation is silver and gold, but he opens the door in verse 19 to greed when he says to the second delegation that comes, please stay here overnight as the others did so that I may find out what else the Lord has to tell me. Listen, Never invite temptation to stay the night or to linger. He says, I'm going to find out what else the Lord has to tell me. What else? Was there any ambiguity in what the Lord said? Don't go. Don't curse the Israelites. Yet he says, I'm going to stay the night and I'll see what else the Lord has to tell me. He's, he's looking for a loophole. Do you know, parents that your kids are really good listeners. You may not know it. You may not believe it, but your kids are really good listeners because you tell them they can do this, but they can't do that. They'll eventually do something that you didn't talk about. And then when you tell them why they did that, say, well, you said I could do this, but couldn't do that. You didn't say anything about doing this. And uh, that's when you lean in really close and you say, listen, if you look cross-eyed or breathe differently you're in trouble, you know, whatever. You, because they're really good listeners, but that's called living on the edge. It's called just skirting around the truth. But all of us at times live on the edge of what we know pleases God. We push the envelope and we try to stay just inside the line but seek to justify our actions. Did Balak need to ask God again? I'm not sure he even asked him the first time, much less the second. But do you know there's some things you don't have to ask God there's some things you don't have to pray about. 
You don't have to pray and ask God if you need to tell the truth. You don't need to ask or pray about stealing. You don't need to ask about murdering or obeying and honoring parents or forgiving someone or being kind or loving, loving like Jesus or even tithing. We might need to ask the Lord to help us to do these things, but not about if they're right or wrong. But as believers in the Lord Jesus, instead of living on the edge, instead seek to live in the center of God's will. Find yourself in prayer confessing sin every day and asking the Lord Jesus to help you to live in the center of the road and the pathway that God has for you. Laban says something else in verse 18, still on your screen there. Previously, he'd always talked of God and he'd mentioned the Lord or Lord. But here, did you notice, he calls him the Lord my God. Now, I've told you, Balaam's a mystery. I hesitate to call him a true prophet of God, but at least publicly, a Gentile, he has proclaimed the God of Israel as his God. He's made a public profession of faith and connected himself to the Lord God. Everything that he does from here on out reflects on God. This, this may be the reason this story is included and has a prominent place in Scripture. What difference does it make? Because many of us have done the same thing. We proclaim publicly a faith in the Lord Jesus. And what you do reflects on a lot of people, reflects on your family and your church family and other believers, but most of all, it reflects on your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you want to be able to know and stay on God's path for your life, you'll behave like a child of God. You'll behave like a child of God. Numbers chapter 22, verse 20. We started reading in 21 when we first stood up, when I first stood up. Notice verse 20 and following. It says, That night God came to Balaam and said, Since these men have come to summon you, go with them. But do only what I tell you. Balaam got up in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. But God was angry when he went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. It may seem a little bit strange that there at one point God says, Go ahead and go. And then he turns around he's angry with him because he went. Sometimes... God will allow you to go down the wrong path to your own detriment. We can make wrong choices. We can decide we're not going to follow God's pathway even though we know what it is. Because God didn't make us to be robots. But Lord wants, the Lord wants to clearly show you His path. I certainly believe that to be true. But we could still make a wrong choice and choose another way because... God wants us to make the right choice and be obedient simply because we love Him. Choices big and small make a difference. It lets people know that we're a child of God. God was angry with Balaam because after claiming to know God, he was heading down the wrong path and had determined in his heart to curse the Israelites after God told him not to. We read the story just a moment ago. Some of you are familiar with it. Some of you are reading the story. Didn't know that was in the Bible. But the angel of the Lord there stood in the road with drawn sword. Balaam didn't see it. The donkey did. Donkey went across the, got off the pathway, got off the road, went out into a field. Balaam struck the donkey, getting back on the right path. And then as they continue to go forward, there's the angel again with drawn sword, this time in a narrow pathway with a vineyard and a wall on each side. And so I guess to make his way around the angel of the Lord, the donkey crushed the foot of Balaam. Balaam struck the donkey again. And then further down the road, there's the angel of the Lord in an even narrow pathway, or at least a pathway angel of the Lord covered the whole pathway so that there's no way to go to the right or the left. So what did the donkey do? He sat down. 
Then Balaam struck him for the third time. What did the Bible say? In a, it, it's okay. In an amusing fashion, the Lord opened the donkey's mouth. What have I done to make you beat me these three times? And then just as amazing, perhaps, and maybe even more amusing, Balaam talks back. He said, uh, and, they have a regular, and they have a regular conversation. You've made a fool of me. If I'd have had my sword here, I'd have already killed you, donkey. Does this kind of remind you of Shrek and the talking donkey, maybe? Uh, and his friend, yeah, Shrek and his friend. And then the, the donkey, then the donkey asks him, says, have I ever done anything like this? You've been riding me all your life. Have I ever done anything like this before? And he says, no. The whole point of the conversation is the irony that the dumb animal that is usually associated with stubbornness and not being very bright at this moment is showing greater wisdom than his master. And God's children who remove themselves from the pathway that God has for us are not being very bright. Then the scripture says the Lord opens Balaam's eyes and he sees angel of the Lord standing with drawn sword telling him of the imminent danger had the donkey not stopped. I wish I could tell you that Balaam was completely changed, but probably at the most he was sorry for this particular sin, but not completely repentant, and remained only partly obedient. In the next chapter, we find him blessing God and his people with some of the most poetic and powerful words. And then later we're told in Scripture that he tells the king of Moab, you're not going to defeat these Israelites by battle. I can't curse the Israelites he said, but I can tell you where their downfall will be. And he tells them how their downfall would be by eating food offered to idols and sexual immorality. And this was a downfall for many Israelites. But I need to tell you, this story is not about Balaam. It, it's not even about the donkey. It's about God in his participation in your life. God is actively involved in the story. Balaam didn't seek God. He said he was going to, but we find no evidence that he did. But twice, God came to Balaam. Then the angel of the Lord stands on the road. And then we find that the Lord opened the donkey's mouth. The Lord opened Balaam's eyes. All to teach us God is actively involved in your life. So to find and to stay on God's path, be aware of the presence of the Lord. Be aware of the presence of the Lord. He is at every turn. No matter where you find yourselves, no matter what spiritual high, no matter what valley you are on, His presence is at every turn. Quick story. I read the story of a four-year-old girl. She was turning four. It's going to be her birthday, and they were going to take her to the circus. Her mom and dad were going to take her to the circus. And mom and dad tell her all, all about what's going to happen in the big top and try to describe all the exciting things that are going to be. She had thousands of questions. Will I be able to pet the elephants? Will I be able to ride on the trapeze and swing? Will, I, will the clowns come up and talk to me? Oh, she's just so excited and couldn't sleep the night before coming to the circus. Some, somehow she got into her mind that the circus was coming for her birthday, just for her. And so... Uh, she, on the day of her birthday, she gets up early and gets her parents up to, today's the day we're going to the circus. They ride, get to the circus, and they get out. And she has to hang, Dad has to hang on to her hand so she won't run off and run ahead. And they buy peanuts and Cracker Jacks, and inside the Cracker Jacks there's a ring, and Dad places the finger on her ring, and he begins to 
point out the three rings there in the circus and what's going to happen there. And she keeps asking him, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? So oh, finally it happens and music starts and she's thrilled listening to the music. The animals are passing by. She's watching the three rings. She can't keep her eyes. Doesn't know what to look at next. And then she gets very quiet and sits still. And her dad asks her, said, so what's wrong? She says, Daddy, and her voice is filled with awe. She said, Oh, they did all this just for me. <clears throat> he did it just for you. As if for no one else, Jesus left heaven and came to earth and died on the cross for your sin, rose again so that you might have life, so that you might have abundant life, so that you might have a home in heaven. Sometimes your life might seem like a circus. and It may be that but you need to know that God is always at work regardless of what you're going through. The thing that you think that could have happened in 2020 would be the very worst thing that could happen to you. That's exactly the thing that the Lord's using to make you more like Jesus, put you in the center of God's pathway so that you'll be where you need to be. So what do you need to do? Well, if you don't know Christ as your Savior and Lord, you're here today, you're listening, you need to give your heart and life to Him. Ask Christ to forgive you of your sins. Ask Christ to come in to be your Savior and Lord. He's promised that He will. Or you want to decide today, yes, this is the day that I want to decide. I want to stay on God's pathway. No matter what temptation comes my way, no matter what other people are doing, nobody, even if no one else does, I want to stay the pathway that God has for me. And I will continue in the direction that He's pointing and that He's provided just for me. Let's bow together. Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we've had to be a part of this worship service. We thank you that we've been able to lift up praise, and we thank you, Father, for how your word speaks to us. We thank you for the pathway that you have provided for our church and that you provided for each member, for all guests, family members, whoever may be here today. And we thank you that you want to point it to us, point it out so that we might be able to do these very things that we've talked about today. Help us, Father, to believe. Help us to be aware. Help us to be ready. Help us to be in line in following you. If there's someone here that does not know you as Lord and Savior today, may the day, today be the day of salvation. This we pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to ask